0: Welcome to another episode of the Comic Source Podcast. I'm your host, Jace, here to talk today about uh, a comic that's coming out on January 11th from Image. It's already uh, been out as a digital first on Substack from writer Kelly Thompson. We also have the artist and co-creator Meredith McLaren joining us to talk all about Black Cloak. So first of all, Kelly, let me say welcome back to the show. Great to have you back.
1: Thanks for having me, Jace. It's great to be back, especially for this reason.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Super <laughs> exciting, which we were talking about before we started recording. But uh, I, I do want to uh, welcome Meredith on the show for the first time as well. Thanks for taking yes,
2: time. thank you so much.
0: So, uh, as I mentioned, Black Cloak uh, coming out in print from Image Comics, uh, January eleventh. So, for people who have been subscribing to Kelly's Substack, you'll you've seen this before. You've been reading it. It's this fantasy epic murder mystery, almost Game of Thrones-esque sort of uh, story here. So let me give you a chance, Kelly, to uh, give us a little bit of uh, the elevator pitch for the listeners who may not be familiar. I'm sure you can do a better job than me. And then I'm going to toss it over to you, Meredith. And I-, I want you to talk a little bit about the visual design and, and creating this incredible world that, that you and Kelly have uh, have co-created here. So uh, yeah, Kelly, why don't you give us uh, the pitch for the series?
1: sure um i've never really perfected this elevator pitch i gotta be honest i've been working on it as we've been doing these interviews but i feel like i've never really gotten there so let's try again so black cloak is a sort of sci-fi fantasy detective procedural mix um you know it sort of kicks off with a murder mystery that leads you through it but it's a whole new world um it's sort of not your grandpa's uh uh, fantasy maybe it's got influences from you know a lot more than just sort of the usual western influences we often see in fantasy in the western world um but it's also got sort of a blade runnery sci-fi sheen to it where you know it's sort of all these fantasy characters have had to come together in one place and try to figure out how to make it work because they won the day they defeated the great evil some hundred years ago, but it destroyed almost everything. And like, this is what they've got left. And so like, Mets make the best of it. And, uh, it's not going great. <laughs> They're struggling, you know, they don't want to, you know, they want to do blood vengeance to punish someone for a crime, not deal with law and order. So it's a, it's like a lot about class. It's a little bit about sort of race and, um, preconceptions and murder mysteries. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so many layers to the story. And we'll get into some of that uh, in a little bit. Obviously we don't want to spoil because we want uh, all you listeners to go out and pick it up. But when it comes to those kind of layers, obviously it seems to me that it would make it a, a challenge to visually design it, Meredith, and, and incorporate that, right. Because that is something that is so kind of inherent to the narrative, but you, you do also want it there in the visuals. And it also had to be a challenge to, marry this idea of fantasy and sci-fi and sort of, you know, magic and technology, but yet there is that backstory where everything kind of got blown up. So you're
2: you're um, off balance. I think the first note Kelly gave me was just the Blade Runner note. And I was like, okay, uh, so tech is not my forte, but there's some fantasy elements that I can make work. So, um, uh,
1: except for you totally i'm sorry to interrupt when it's supposed to be your turn to talk meredith but this is my mo anyway as we know (laughs) you're so good with color and i feel like so much of the neo-noir that's injected into this is the color plus i think just by the very nature of how you approach fantasy by taking from a lot of different places. I mean, we've talked about South Korea specifically and like manga and, you know, that kind of stuff. I think all of that immediately makes something feel a little more science fiction if you're combining it with more Western ideas, right? Because it immediately suggests like a growth and a change in the way sci-fi does or like a larger scope of Mm -hmm. you know what kind of creatures might be involved so i think especially in your coloring there's a lot of neo-noir to you uh anyway so i push back against that but you know go ahead and tell your truth (laughs) go ahead (laughs) uh i don't know that i have anything else to say (laughs) whatever talk about your fantasy stuff or where your influences are Uh, all that stuff is
2: so good um yeah i definitely come from an anime manga background Uh and then around college I discovered European comics which have this beautiful uh animation and like depth and scope to them like uh Black Sad or I'm trying oh to think, yeah that's uh, good. Sky Doll Sky Doll is a good one and it's just like oh no I've not seen this done before yeah um yeah. and so that those are the um, the markers that I I've used to along my journey.
0: So, but knowing that it's going to be uh, this hybrid hybridization of fantasy and and sci fi, which you know maybe your predilection kind of leans more toward fantasy. Did you start building out the world? like did you and Kelly talk about, okay, this this is the tone of the world that we want to establish first? or did you start with you know some of the main characters like uh, you know Phaedra and and Pax?
2: I feel like we had like the the keynotes we sort of uh, carved out before we didn't have a lot of time to to world build before we had to jump right into the story. Um,
1: a lot of the world building was in the script i think right i mean like that was a very dense first script um i mean i always write pretty tight scripts and i'm very big about like putting what the emotional state of the characters or whatever but like most of the time i don't want to do like a huge description because uh, you know trying to force an artist into what's in my head is not what i want what i want is their best interpretation of what they think the idea is right and hopefully i'm describing it in a way that elicits a similar so that we end up in a similar place but honestly artists always do Better things than what I imagined, so which is very fun for me. But I do think that that first script, like I remember, page one was like a wall of text. But it was like I was having to tell her everything about this city view, you know, because it's a shot of the city from the Mm -hmm. exterior, which you never see again. So, like, I really had to get into what it was. But what it is changes once Meredith gets involved because she's bringing so much of herself to it. It naturally evolves, you know. But she's right that. I think we talked about character a little bit, and I probably showed her a pitch, and we talked about concept and some of the broad strokes, but I think we were moving so fast that she maybe did some does character designs before we started, but I think then it was straight to script, and then it was, like, some conversations, especially early, to clarify, you yeah. know, like like I told her, I was like, I drew a map of this. It's really bad of like the layout of the city, like, because I wanted her to understand those sort of like tiers and this like class thing we were setting up, which it's not like it's rocket science or anything, but I, you know, and she was like, send me the map. And then I was like, wait, do I have to? It's really bad. (laughs) And she's like, yeah, you gotta send it. And I sent it to her and she's like, okay, okay. I get what you're doing. And then she turns it into that brilliant, you know, landscape you see or that distant shot you see.
2: Yeah. And I think as, because we've had to sort of design so much of this as the story goes along, like my uh, interpretation of how, of what the city looks like is shifting along with it from where we originally started. So.
0: Was there a point where you were, because you guys had kind of had hit the ground running, maybe you're a little more tentative. Was there a point where you, you know, whether it was first chapter, the first digital chapter, second, third, what have you, was there a point where you got to, okay, now, now I got it. I feel like I'm locked in I'm understanding visually who, who these characters are and what the city is, or are you still kind of solidifying that in uh, your mind?
2: I, I get that like five times per issue. And then it goes away. <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's like, every time I do a new, a new page, it's like, what can I do better? And then I forget all the rules for coloring. <laughs> and then I'm like, all right, happy accidents time. <laughs> it's pretty consistent happy accidents, let yeah. me tell you.
1: Um I think for me it's a little bit of a mix. It's been, you know, we have this um we have this really nice Substack uh audience that's like been this really amazing kind and generous and engaged test audience for us. And that's felt really good, but I think there's no denying that once it's gonna start to go out wider and you know that more people, it's hard to get that deep in something. I mean, cause we're working on issue five and it was nice to show it to people on the subsec and get that feedback to like help keep you going and feeling like you're doing something people are enjoying. But there's also a thing where you're like, well, it's only a few people. Like, what if this, you know, crashes horribly? And we've been working on it for, you know, most of a year. So I, I think that I think that stuff is like always there for creators, to be honest. I was a little more um, flexible on this one, just because we ended up moving so fast i ended up never having the time like i had plotting notes all over like in different formats in notebooks and on computers on my phone but i we were moving so fast and i was under so much pressure with all the subsex stuff that i never really had a time to do a proper outline the way i prefer to do and the way that would make me feel more comfortable and i regret that but it's hard to regret it because i have to say that knowing where we were going, but being more flexible on the points, it did allure me, allow me to us to explore a lot of things that I think maybe wouldn't have been explored if I had been sticking to a super tight outline. And also I should say, and if we were absolutely locked into 20 pages per issue, which we're not, all our right. issues go long and our first issue is nearly triple sized. But yeah, I mean, like for example, I was always super interested in the mermaid stuff and i felt like it was sort of giving it short shrift in the story as it was and then meredith designed the mermaids and it became part of this thing and i was like wait why aren't we exploring that like it's so cool why wouldn't we go back there and then i found this what i thought was a really great plot twist that we could use that would incorporate that and like build on that so It has been a good lesson for me i think in a reminder that you know the formula of making monthly comics is helpful but you got to know when to break it and sometimes not knowing everything and being rigid with that is a good thing because it leaves you open to your collaborators ideas and the things that organically come up and the characters that might excite you. I mean, Rena's role has been dramatically increased because that's a character that appears in the third issue because Meredith drew this most amazing character design. And then this most amazing scene for her. And I'm like, well, I'm in love with Rena now, I guess we got to put her in everything, you know? So there's something really nice and organic about that, you know?
0: Yeah. And it's one of the real benefits of, of doing creator owned, you know, that you can experiment with the format. Yeah. When I, so I got uh, a digital copy of the, uh, because it's image, I, you know, I get them usually a week ahead of time or so. So I got a digital copy, even though I already had my subset, because I got a digital press preview and I, you know, I had been since they came out that I'd read like the digital chapters and I didn't know how many, you know of the digital chapter they're going to be in the, the right issue and i kept i was like oh there there's another one oh here's another one. <laughs> i didn't know where it was going to end and and then of course it ended on that that cliffhanger with with phaedra which is which is fantastic but yeah listeners you get a big chunk of story i think it's like 54 pages or something like that i think it's so-
1: 51 pages of story and it's like a 60 page it's like it's pretty hefty for a for yeah. an opening chapter for sure which yeah, is you, great. Which is great. Yeah. You yeah. definitely
0: get uh, immersed and get a chance to uh, be introduced to uh, the characters. We've mentioned Phaedra. You mentioned Rena, who shows up later. Uh, I, I think Pax might be my. Might- my favorite character, because he just sort of I love both, Pax. Matter of fact, plays a yeah, straight man. almost. Sort of, to, to yeah, the old,
1: old reliable, right? Yeah. Um, yep. I do feel like Pax gets a little bit of short shrift just because he's got less drama going on than Phaedra, and that is not his fault. That's a beautiful thing, to no, not that have is, drama.
2: <laughs> that is the sign of a stable, healthy, <laughs> mentally sound individual. Yeah.
1: Uh He is going to have, um, the, the ending is, um, it's a bit rough for everyone. And, uh, it's, it's going to be a bit rough, but yeah, I love packs. Um, and, uh, the friendship is definitely going to be put to the test, unfortunately. Um, which I sort of hate and I'm angry that I've written this for us because I, I want people on the same side who are good to just be able to be on the same side and be good. But sometimes the world makes you have really tough choices. And, um, this is all my fault.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's one, of those, yeah it, it's one of those things that when I, you know, when I first heard about the project, when you first started talking about it on, on Substack, you know, you mentioned, okay, that, you know, the world comes, this world comes together and defeats this great evil. And so you, you think, you know, words like unity or utopia, you know, we finally, we've done it, we've won, but it's, it's not that at all. It's yeah. almost, there's almost this idea that when you have something that brings you together to strive against, you know, a battle that you need to. Common enemy. Fight, yeah, common, common enemy, enemy that it can yep. be unifying, but once that enemy's taken away, then it's sort of you know chaos. And okay, now what? Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, chaos. Yes. So in that, and, and so that's kind of a, a subtextual thing that's going on. But the other part of it, uh, narratively, that I think might be challenging. and I wanted to ask you about Kelly was, you know, this being this kind of murder mystery to start and being this procedural. there can be a tendency to say, well, this is kind of a talking heads comic, not to say there's not Mm. action here or there, but yeah, certainly. And then we'll talk about it, keeping it interesting visually as well, Meredith, like how hard is that? Like when you plot it out, do you make sure, well, you know, we've had so many issues, you know, this is sort of a political comic. Do you worry at all? Or what's the challenge there with making sure that, 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 you know, you do put in action beats from time to time.
1: So I didn't, I didn't really put any action in. (laughs) I mean, we're moving, we're moving towards a big action piece, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, it's not really a draw your guns type of book. And ironically, I've just discovered Mm -hmm. that Meredith has been missing the action, which she (laughs) didn't say anything about until now. Too late, Meredith. Um, Uh, (laughs) Fortunately, I was already planning some really big stuff toward the end, but are you going to defend
2: yourself and tell me that you want an action? I'm going (laughs) to tell you that that scarcity makes it a more dramatic... (laughs)
1: There you go. There you go. I like that. I like that. So yeah, I mean, we're headed for a big finale that I think people are really going to feel. And I think the action, the more actiony stuff sort of starts in five or whatever, but I don't know. I, you know, superhero comics have a very strict formula and it's, Mm -hmm. you know, includes X number of pages of punching people per issue. And, I wanted to break free from that because I wanted to let the story do what the story feels like it's going to do. And quite honestly, a detective story is not mostly action you know a being being a homicide detective like this it, I, I would make it more akin to like being an investigative reporter right you're pulling together clues in a room talking to other smart people walking through the crime you know so you want a mystery element and you want your tension and we've got a lot of really cool world building stuff but yeah I mean we put some action in in the very beginning so that you were like oh okay people are dying and there is some action here but yeah it's more of a it's more of a thinking book it's more of like i mean i guess we do have two attacks in the first book so it's not it's not no action but it's more about uncovering mysteries and secrets and and the corners of this world and all the strange things that inhabit it you know
0: yeah it definitely feels narratively more like a slow burn but it's building that that tension which you know to throw it over to you meredith you know and that challenge of, okay, if it's just two people talking, you know, if you you always establish your panel, okay, mid-range, two people talking to each other, that can get kind of boring. So how do you, you know, how do you visually approach it to make sure that you're keeping uh, the readers engaged from a a graphic standpoint?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, it Usually, what usually drives it as a priority is how much text is going in there like and what whose speaking turn it is because then uh it forces me to turn the camera around so the first speaking character in each panel is the one closest to the left um just as a visually simple thing
0: Mm
2: -hmm. uh but but yeah that it forces me to think of different directions and angles and uh that's probably the biggest benefit to to me.
1: I yeah. try to I try to I really don't like overwriting. Um I I think um I think I'm guilty of it just like anyone else. I think I've been getting better about You know sometimes when i go back and read my old stuff or look at it for something and i'm like oh i still really this still really lands for me i like this i'm like but you know maybe pull back on the jokes kelly do you need all the jokes like maybe that's maybe it's stronger if you cut some out you know so like which is one of many reasons i do sometimes go back and look at myself like what's working what am i getting better at what's not moving forward you know um but i so i try pretty hard to not overwrite And I hope Meredith knows that, you know, I'm always open to her breaking it up a little differently. Like, I think she's a I I, this this sounds really arrogant, but I think she's struggling to explain it because it comes really naturally to her. Like, I think Mm -hmm. it's very instinctual to her how to flow a story because I've literally never come to her like there are a lot of times in my career where i have to come and i go yeah there's a really big disconnect between you know this page and this page or from panel to panel like because the storytelling doesn't quite work and uh, we've now done we're we're headed towards like five or six hundred pages together right i mean something between all our projects and i think one time i've come back to you and been like i think this doesn't connect and honestly It wasn't her fault it was the way i wrote it there wasn't enough there like we needed an extra panel or we needed an extra something and it was the script's fault and her only failing was not recognizing my mistake and fixing it for me and instead i had to come back and go you shouldn't have listened to me. You you knew this had to be fixed. <laughs> this uh, doesn't work. You know, so she's just very natural at it. I, I think it's instinctual. That's my perception.
2: Um, it's definitely something I think about a lot, the flow of a page. Um,
1: well, you make it look easy.
2: <laughs> uh, and and my previous comment, in no way am I trying to say that Kelly writes too much. But <laughs> no, no,
1: no, 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 no. I didn't take it that way. I okay. just meant... No, I'm sorry. No, no, I didn't mean that. I just meant there definitely are pages that are you know where you're like okay these guys are talking out the case here but like i feel like meredith just gets it she's like they just need this time they just need this dialogue and so you know she'll just pull it back and switch up the angles and she's very she's very good at looking at the page and assessing what it needs to me to me
2: to my mind yeah well and and then also there's always in the back pocket uh a lot of comic artists can point to i think it's called the 22 panels uh, <laughs> yes, that always that always works. Wally Wood. Yes, the twenty-two panels that always work, and it's just They're like genius. yes, uh, it's twenty-two uh, compositions of just two people talking. It's like you've always got that in your back pocket. Yeah.
0: Now, does it help the fact that you color your own work? So, you're when you approach a, a page, or you you know you're blocking it out, thumbnailing, or what have you. You're not necessarily just visualizing what the line work is going to look like, but you're also kind of, at least in the back of your mind thinking, okay, and this is how I'm going to color it. Cause want to go for, you know, this kind of feeling or evoke this kind of mood, which has so much to do with the color graphically.
2: I really enjoy coloring my own work. It's, it's always a little bit hard for me to hand off uh, my, my baby inks and pencils. Um, but it would be, it would be too much to say that I have a plan whenever I color anything. Um, I have, I have a procedure. And that will usually uh, yield a result that I'm happy with. But that doesn't mean I know what that result is going to be.
0: <laughs> no, I think it goes back, if that's how you approach it, I think it goes back to exactly what Kelly was saying. I, I think that you don't have to think about it when you're planning it out. It's probably unconscious. And then when you start coloring, it's exactly like, if we stopped you in the planning stage and said, "Okay, stop thinking about how you're going to block this out with line work and tell us what the colors are going to look like, I bet they would be, pretty similar to what the colors, if not exactly what the colors end up being. They might. She doesn't give herself enough credit, Kelly. I know. I know. I know.
1: know. She's so good. And she's like, she doesn't know it, which is great for (laughs) us, for me. Exactly. uh, You know, when you did Gem, Victoria covered you, colored you, Yeah. Yeah she did a pretty good job she though. did, yeah she did an amazing that, job that must have been hard for you i don't think we talked about that but that must have been hard to let go of that did you try to get them to let you do it i can't remember
2: no no the deadline I think, I think you already had victoria on board anyway so yeah. I'm like, okay.
1: she and, had been on from the beginning so yeah. it would have been tricky
2: i'm not so precious about my my artwork that i'm like <laughs> no this is a sticking point um well (laughs) listen
1: i love victoria and she did an incredible job and she she did did a great job on that whole series and i definitely especially when you're moving artists i definitely am on board with you know keep the colorist so you keep that sort of consistent feeling for the book so it made complete sense that she would be there and she did a great job but i have to confess as i'm thinking about it i am very curious what your gem colored yourself pages i would have been curious too i (laughs) I never thought about it before
2: I've been toying with the idea of doing, uh, doing a redo of a page for like the new year, like one of those side-by-side comparisons. Oh, that's fun. Of, of how a page looked when I first did it and how, where I am now. And so oh, wow. I hadn't considered Jim, but I might.
1: That's a good one. That's a good one.
0: Well, uh, you mentioned something a little while ago, Kelly, that I certainly wanted to bring up. Uh, one of the things I love about your writing is the humor, the jokes that you bring in, because you have a little bit of a dry sense of humor. And that's yeah. totally my sensibility. <laughs> and even if I didn't know that you wrote this and I'm reading Black Cloak, I probably would be able to guess this is Kelly Thompson because of the that dry sense of humor. So, yeah, you uh, have a
2: very, very solid voice. Thank yes, <laughs> you. Thank you. Exactly. Thank you.
0: exactly. Think- so d- is there a particular character that you most enjoy throwing the one-liners in or you you like to spread the love around for the humor
1: um honestly i'm really feeling this isn't really humor this is it is a little bit but it's even darker i'm very in rena's headspace right now like boot on my neck let's burn it all down (laughs) guys suck like let's she's very dark like i feel very in rena right now like in that headspace but um pax is probably the most like me reliable consistent boring a little bit um i mean i wish i had pink wings but uh, he, uh <laughs> so do we all <laughs> yeah right um i did want to go against type with him with those with all the fairies we went against type with we went with these like very stocky shorter solidly built as opposed to like very like stereotypically feminine girly thing Mm -hmm. but when we were doing the wings i was like no like pink gossamer like like barely visible like amazing uh so fun uh the the this the, the the to play with that there um I mean, Essex is obviously super important to me, but she does sometimes suffer from a thing that I think happens with a lot of writers and fans where the main character, you like them, you're there for them, you're rooting for them, but you're secretly super interested in side character, you know, right. X or whatever. I think that happens to me, too. Um, Phaedra has the weight of the book on her shoulders, and so sometimes that's less fun. You know, she has to really carry the narrative. She has the deep, dark secrets. Um, so I try to keep her a little light. But you know, does she get all the zingers? I don't. I don't know. I don't think she does. But she's yeah, very dry and dark and sarcastic, like me. So I guess. It's yeah,
0: just, I think, it's, I think it's the, the place thing with Phaedra is, yeah, she because she is the focus. We get so much of her. There's for for me personally, there's a little less, you know, curiosity because yeah. I feel like I know her so well. Was you know, yeah. somebody else who doesn't get as much. I'm it's, like, well, yeah, what does yeah it's do definitely, he
1: yeah, yeah, it's definitely her story. You do get, um, I don't know, so you've been reading along all this time. So you got right, a little yeah. bit of the family stuff. Yeah. Some of that stuff will come in a little bit more by the end. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot coming for them both. Oh, Why do I hurt yeah. them? Why do I hurt
0: yeah. them? I uh, love them. Yeah, I, I am excited. <laughs> and it does, it brings me to my my next point. Uh, which you kind of mentioned already, you know, this is something so different than than either one of you has ever done before, right? Like releasing it in Substack with a, a smaller mm-hmm. audience, you know, I, probably an audience that, that is sort of inclined to, you know, if, if I'm going to subscribe to, you know, the Kelly Thompson yeah. Substack, I'm a Kelly Thompson fan, exactly. so I'm, it's probably going to be something that I that I like. It's that, it's that sensibility as opposed to, hey, it's out there on the, the comic rack and we certainly want everybody to check it out Yeah, you know, how crowded everything is. and And it's a good time in terms of being a comic reader because there are such a diverse amount of stories, but it, from a creative standpoint, publisher standpoint, it is hard to, to stand out and, 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 cut through the noise. So, um, you know, a little, a little nervousness, I guess, right. To have this out and, and hopefully reach a new audience. Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: that's, that's sort of what I was talking about before. I think you said it much better, which is that the Substack audience, it felt great to show that to them and they really have responded and loved it. And everyone's been really excited about it. But as you said, Those are like, those are like super fans. Those are people who want to like it. And I hope that that doesn't mean they're, you know, that they just, you know, they just like everything I do, regardless of uh, quality. Although I do put a lot of effort in. I feel like even (laughs) shitty stuff I do, I put a lot of, a lot of, a lot of effort in because I don't know, you're just, anyone can read anything and you're only as good as the last thing someone read of yours that can change their mind and make them a fan forever or make them. Be like that person does not know what they're doing so mm-hmm. i always try pretty fucking hard to be honest mm-hmm. um but yeah i wouldn't want people to just blindly say it was good but it was a very generous audience so that i think that's where part of the nerves come through like you said like i was saying to meredith before like there's a danger in believing your own hype and in the safe comforting zone of the substack, it's been really fun to play with this but yeah next week is next week is the moment where yeah, we next, find out
2: next week i'm not allowed to like google my name
1: <laughs> yeah right that is forbidden but- but i will say so far i mean not that anyone wants to have us on the cast and be have us on their cast and be like oh we hated this or whatever but so far the reviews and the feedback from the retailers to the reviewers to podcasters and and personality people has been really great really Mm -hmm. great um even a review that i got that wasn't completely in love with it it was still really nice and really (laughs) generous and quite thoughtful i thought about what works for them and what didn't. And so it's been, it's been really great and just cross our fingers. It keeps heading that way. Next week,
0: I think that the advantage of you, you two giving such a big chunk of story, you know, we, we talked about, what would you say? Like 51 pages?
1: 51. Yeah. I think.
0: So I I think that's to a a great advantage. And then also, you know, when I, once I did read the, the, you know, the uh, digital copy of the, the print, and saw where you ended, which I think was the third digital chapter, then, then yeah. it totally made sense because you want to end on, you know, a yeah. thing like that to uh-huh. make sure yeah. people come back for, for issue number two. So let me ask you, Meredith, is there, can you think of a particular like story point or something that visually in, in the, those first three chapters that, that's going to be the first print uh, book that you're most excited for? readers to to see or maybe it's just them experiencing the 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 world in general from a a graphic standpoint
2: i was really i was really happy with how that cliffhanger page turned out i love Um, it it's so
1: beautiful yes how it bleeds that full bleed and everything i love it
2: Mm -hmm. uh gosh
1: i have something Okay. Mer- that from Meredith. From Meredith. Okay. And it's a compliment for me. So this all checks out. Narcissism. <laughs> check.
2: I do, uh, I do like compliments.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, no, this is um, we actually ended up putting this on the poster that Image did. So you may find this in your shop. Meredith paid me this incredible compliment that this one line from issue one, she really loved. And I sort of have to pay it back because I loved her work in that scene, which is when when Essex Phaedra Essex is interviewing the kids Mm -hmm. on the bluff and they're like why do you care that these people got killed and she says because it matters when we kill each other and I just Meredith really hit on that Mm -hmm. that she really it meant something to her and she really was thinking about it long after and I, I don't I think I think the compliment Meredith pays to me is that she wants to work with me on this, that she cares about it the way I do. But her compliment is these incredible work she does. Like, I don't expect her to come back all the time and be like, Oh man, this script was amazing. But like, it meant a lot that she said that to me and it meant enough that it carried through like a year later, we put it on that poster. And I do think that though we haven't hyped it, you know, that is part of the, that is sort of the soul of the book really and meredith hit on it right away that what the black cloaks who are not trusted yet are trying to do is make it matter when they kill each other and like yeah but it's, not, it's not appreciated yet like yeah and a
2: big theme of the book too is that it matters uh for everyone you know yeah. it matters equally yeah, Which was one of
1: the reasons it was so great that the outline wasn't so nailed down that we couldn't go back to the mermaids because I said to Meredith from the jump, I was like, it's very important to me. There's no way to not make the case be about frail, you know, the guy that 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 gets killed. That's the prince he's, he's the one, he's the crime we're investigating, but two other women were murdered in the process of this. And the fact that it's not being focused on, I was like, I I want that to be true because I want to show a thing that we're all really experiencing and that's relatable which is that certain people are not paid as much attention to I was like but I think we're gonna have to spend some more time with this to make sure we get it right and we're not just doing the thing that every story and reality tends to do where we ignore these other crimes so that was why Renna ended up becoming and feeling so important sashenka is sort of like we haven't gotten super into who he is but he's clearly like sort of a revolutionary like underground guy who's like doing rights stuff and and you know uh the mermaids the mermaids don't have any rights and they you know one of them was killed so like all of these things thematically are like really important to us too so
2: yeah and i i Sorry oh, to br- to I'll bring it ahead. back. I did remember which scene I actually like enjoyed doing the most, which was uh when she was in the palace. Oh. Uh, yeah. I initially and I have to thank Kelly for this because initially I turned in something that was super dark and like gothic Victorian sort of um <laughs> which was I really liked it, but it she's also like this this has to feel like a place of grandeur you know yeah and um and so that's so we ended up with the uh palette that that came after which is what made it to print and it was like this is perfect i love this
1: (laughs) it's honestly it's really great um example to look i think at the variety of meredith's colors right because to me part of why the 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 more gothic darker take on the palace didn't work was just because we need to show these layers of this city and that there are people who are living up top in the sunshine with everything they could want and these beautiful views of the ocean. And then there were people who are literally living in their shit that's rolled down the mountain. And this is, again, this is not a new idea. You see tiered cities like this in, you know, fellowship of the rings and shit. Right. Um, so it's not, we're not reinventing the wheel or anything, but it is important how we show that there's an amazing picture that it's sort of a blink and you miss it moment. But in the first uh, scene, when they're investigating the murder, which is in one of the most sort of dangerous, low class parts of the town, there's a shot where Pax is flying and you maybe don't realize it, but the sky is above him and it's bright as day, even though it looks dark as night down there. And it's just cause they've got layers of city over top of them. And like, I think that some of those things you know, the book is about a murder. It's not technically about class issues, but it's the other things we're doing, like the way Meredith is showing off that art and the way that city is built and how it works. That's the underlying stuff, you know, that is unsaid.
0: Yeah. And that's one of the the things that I think you guys did a great job of presenting early on, you know, and you just mentioned a little while ago, Kelly, about this idea of these black cloaks, you know, this this investigative force, or or you know, police force, that is 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 not respected, is not trusted, and in a way, you think about what Pax and uh, and Phaedra are doing. They're putting, they're out there, you know, and they're not liked. And there's a sense of danger that they could sort of be attacked or turned on at any time. So there's the sense of of sacrifice. They're doing what they're doing because they know that even though this great common enemy has been defeated, the the world that they're living in is not what it should be. And they're, you know, they're, they look at themselves as their role as black cloak, black cloaks of, Hey, we can make things better and not just make things better for the people that do live on top, but make things better for, for all, which is why they're down in this shit, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it's funny because, you know, we talked a lot, Meredith and I talked a little bit about, um, but I thought a lot about the, You know when when this project first started nearly 10 years ago it was much more sort of police focused like it was much more about the police in this new society and like what that's all like and you know as my feelings about the cops have changed so much over the last five to ten years like a lot of us you know it was really important to me that we still tell this story and these detective stories but that I want to reflect the real world, but like in a different way. Right. So to me, the world of the, the, the people of Kiros, they don't trust the black cloaks, not because they have a systemic problem and they've done anything wrong necessarily the way we're dealing with that, but just because it's a new idea. Mm -hmm. Right. But it creates the same problem where there's no trust and maybe that's for a good reason. So you can't really dismiss it, but you know, yeah, you have a lot of people trying to do the right thing caught up in a system that's not working for anyone yet, you know? And um, I think it is a pretty a, a pretty fair reflection uh, as, a, as a small element of the story of, yeah, a lot of the problems we're going through right now and in just a different way and how hard it is to wrestle with those ideas, you know?
0: Yeah, well, it it, it is also doing something that I've never seen done before in fantasy, which you know, you can go all the way back to to Tolkien, right? And okay, here's where all the dwarves live. And here's where all the elves live. And here's where all the humans live. And they all have kind of their own places. Here's here's a world where, yeah, common enemy defeated, everything's thrown into chaos, and everybody's kind of in the same place. You know, there's not, okay, humans live over here, and they can make their own rules, and elves live over here. Like, you got to figure out how to live amongst each other and get yeah. along. And the, idea yeah. of,
1: and the idea of Homeland being stripped away, which is something that's true here, is really powerful. And you can't really blame some of these characters for not getting along with like some of these some of these creatures are like blood enemies of each mm-hmm. other, you know. But this is the only sustainable place we can all live together now. So we're trying to make it work. Of course, it doesn't work.
0: <laughs> yeah it's all new like everybody's kind of yeah, yeah you're kind of yeah. making it up as you go along yeah. so, so yeah. to speak so
1: yeah
0: well but- ladies uh thank you so much for your time it's been so great chatting again best of luck uh certainly we'll be uh reviewing in our new comics wednesday spoiler free everybody uh go pick <laughs> it up it, the artwork is amazing i think it's it's one of those books with um with meredith's artwork you can pick it up and and thumb through the first couple of pages you immediately get a feel for what what it is, what the world that these two ladies have, have created. So I'm going to throw it over to you first, Meredith, anything as we're closing up here that you want to share uh, either about this project or something else. And then also let listeners know uh, where they can find your work online. Do you have a presence on social media or what have you?
2: Yes. They can find me uh, under Meredith com. And gosh, we worked really hard on this book. I hope you guys like it.
0: <laughs> and what about you? Yeah.
2: Yeah, um,
1: you can find me, Substack is best for keeping track of me. It's 1979, semifinalist.substack.com. I'm newly on Hive at Kelly Thompson. Uh, I am still on Twitter, but I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know
2: what's <laughs> I, I, I am on Twitter too, but I wasn't mm-hmm. hyped.
1: It. Yeah, it's like, what do you say? I don't know. Yeah. It's a fucking shit show over there. I don't know. It's like, honestly, really mad with him messing with my career like this. It's not cool, man. Yeah. I'm on other social media, but nowhere did I spend the time and effort of Twitter. And also Twitter is just more, I mean, I think it works very well for artists. I certainly find a lot of artists and, and, and familiars there, but you know, of all the other things, it's the most text friendly for if you're not an artist and mm-hmm. it's really frustrating to.
0: Yeah. A million dollar idea. Just twitter but without elon that's yeah. all we need yeah. all we did need. you see
1: that did you see that Mad Men gif going around that was like him from when he was really drunk one of those episodes and then it was like on the board and he's like trying to pitch it and on the board they would superimposed just twitter without elon i was like man yeah. that's a great that's,
0: that's all we need it's a great
1: <laughs> great idea anyway so yeah. maybe we'll see
0: well yeah we'll see fingers crossed <laughs> uh anyway listeners uh again uh i will put links in the show notes to uh meredith's tumblr and to kelly's Substack, go click there follow their work highly recommend uh both uh, of these ladies their work is fantastic so be sure and pick up the first issue of black cloak again you're going to get a big chunk of story over 50 pages of of story it's out january 11th so this is going to drop on friday coming out the next Wednesday, highly encourage you to call your local comic shop right now and tell them to hold you a copy. Cause <laughs> again, the shelves are crowded and you might get there and there might not be one. So uh, hopefully it, it sells out and we see subsequent printings. And um, I should also mention, I think you, you, you touched on this, Kelly, is there's uh, a number of variant covers as well. So. Yes, there for, are. You know, some there's, there's a covers. lot.
1: There's yeah. a lot. <laughs> yep, Most so. of them, there's like, Seven, I think, that are just regular open order that you should be nice. able to find pretty easily. But there's about three that are the incentive covers the Madia one, a second one from Meredith, and a Tula Latte variant. So fantastic. fantastic. Yeah, really gorgeous stuff.
0: Yeah, so hopefully everybody's going to go out there and pick it up. And then if you want to get even further ahead and not have to wait for the next print, then you can go and subscribe to the th- Substack and
1: it, yeah and you, know. you could yeah. yeah yeah that's true you could go buy this and then you could subscribe to the sub stack and read the second chapter right away yeah although yeah. i i still if you bought the first copy i still need you to buy the second copy so oh 100
0: <laughs> i mean i've read i've i've, I've read I'm, I'm all caught up where meredith and i were talking about it uh and i was like I hope have i missed anything am i caught up yeah i'm caught up i'm still
1: you're caught up we had a delay on our yeah that's a lot of talk yeah, about it
0: that's that's cool yeah. life happens but no i can't wait to have this you know, it's, it's one of those things as comic fans, first of all, as, as a collector, you kind of want to have it. But when you love something, just having that physical copy. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah. I read so many books. It, I have to read digitally now just because I can't carry a big sack of books around me all the time. So Same. Yeah. IPad, yeah. yeah.
2: Well, yeah. and and last year was such a good year for teaching us that all of our digital media can go away <laughs> in a second. Yeah. That's
0: very yeah, true. That's true. Very that's true. true. As well. So. Yeah, i Although mean, you said I still want my physical copy. <laughs> <Yes. laughs>
1: I did hear that the WB thing is maybe just temporary. Did you see oh, that, with that with the Looney not. Tunes? I saw that. I can't verify. It was just some Twitter that was saying they're saying it's digital restoration. So the Looney Tunes stuff might be coming back, I hope.
0: Are they going to? Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Okay.
1: Right. That's, all, that's all. Just Looney Tunes. I don't know anything else. Okay. <laughs>
0: Uh, well, again, ladies, thank you so much for your time. Uh, really appreciate you uh, talking about the book. Again, I'm a, I'm a big fan of it and highly recommend it to, to all you listeners. So be sure and, uh, and check it out. So
1: thanks so much, Jason. Thank thanks for your support. You've been so great. I really appreciate yes. it.
0: My, my pleasure. as so long much. as you keep writing stuff, you know, I'll keep reading. <laughs> and and, and same for you, Meredith, same for you. Uh, thank you. Work <laughs> is just fantastic. So uh, to you listeners, we want to thank you as well. Really appreciate you joining us as always. And we will talk to you next time.